Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, and she is Tam. What it do, Renee? What's up? Happy Cinco de Mayo, or as some people are now coining the holiday, Happy Cinco de Drinco. <laughs> That's right, exactly. It definitely was uh, Cinco de Drinco for <laughs> this party involved over here. <laughs> well, clearly we're recording this episode after Cinco de Mayo or Cinco de Drinco or however you want to call it. In fact, you may want to call it Cinco Tequila. Yeah, there you go. Nonetheless, we are recording this after not only Cinco de Mayo, but we're also recording this after the race at Dover that took place on a Monday. Yeah. The verdict is still out about how I feel about Monday races. I don't really know how to feel. They don't have the same energy as a Sunday race, I will say that. And I will agree with that as well. It's just not uh, the same. You're definitely right. The energy is just uh, way different. And I think it's maybe because, Tim, like most people already at work or they're um, trying to get off of work or they want to get off of work, they call out, whatever, whatever the case may be. But it's just not the same energy as it is on a Sunday. I think it's kind of like the same way people used to look at football on Thursday. I mean, Monday was was good and just as, as good or even better for you know than a Sunday. But when they started football on Thursday, it was just weird. It was just a weird vibe. It's kind of like that, I think, when, when, when we have Monday racing. I have a confession. I hate Thursday night football. I think it's a waste. I think that all we need is Sunday and Monday. And the reason why is because it doesn't give us a chance to miss it. And it kind of throws off everything because it's everything's coming up too quickly. So that's just my thought. I don't know. How do you feel? Do you enjoy Thursday football games? You know, from my point of view, it depends on who's playing because sometimes I feel like Thursday night football is just a bunch of teams who don't really matter. Um, they're already out of the playoffs by the fourth week. <laughs> and it's just like you already know what the schedule is going to be like. So unless it's like uh, my Cowboys or some somebody else playing that is uh, of some significance, maybe I, I might be into it, but I don't go and try to rush home to make sure that I'm sitting there before Thursday night football begins. Now, Monday night football is a different story. And um, Thursday night is just, uh, it, it's whatever for me. I feel like Saturdays are for horse racing. And how about that Kentucky Derby? That wasn't yes. actually, I didn't say that to go into the Kentucky Derby. But after I thought about it, I was like, oh, well, it's a great time to talk about the Kentucky Derby. You need to explain to me, Tam, uh, and maybe some of our listeners who maybe don't watch Kentucky Derby or don't watch horse racing, or maybe even on top of that, don't know the rules as much as other people do. What happened was, look, what happened, <laughs> I was actually at our local track, Santa Anita Park, as you guys know, that's my thing. I always go check out the big races as well as the local races, and... I had my friend, my mentor with me, and it was his first time ever at the track. And the first race he bet on, his name is Eddie, and there was a horse in the race called Sir Eddie. So he bet on Sir Eddie. Of course, Sir Eddie didn't even place. He didn't show. He didn't come in nothing. He was just there. 
but he did win on his first race. There was a vintage horse show as well as a vintage motorcycle show at the track in the infield. We went over there and I was like, oh my God, wait, the Kentucky Derby is about to start because what they do at the track is they play the Kentucky Derby on the big screen. So we had five minutes to get to the box office to place the bet. So I didn't have a chance to study the horses. I just looked. I was like, okay, maximum security, win, 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 roaster. And roaster was actually a horse that raced at Santa Anita, my local track, a couple of weeks ago for the Santa Anita Derby. And he's actually one of Bob Baffert's horses. And of course, you guys know who Bob Baffert is. He's a famous horse trainer. The guy with the white hair mm-hmm. that actually right. won the Triple Crown last year. Yeah. So we get there, get to the box office. I name off a couple of horses, place a bet. Then we go to watch it on the screen. Everybody's excited. You can feel the energy in the air. And yeah, and then there's buzzing. Ooh. Then, of course, Maximum Security wins. At least we think he wins. So Eddie's like, well, I think I may have won some money. I was like, well, let's wait because it's still unofficial. And for those who don't know, typically after every single horse race, it is unofficial for maybe two or three minutes until they post everything looks good. But this one went on and on. It was unofficial for like 15 minutes afterwards. And we were like, what's going on? So we started all these conversations with people. People were standing there trying to collect their winnings. Then all of a sudden the crowd goes, Oh, and we're like, wait, what happened? And so we're standing at the place where you place your bets. So they're right. all back there talking and it's like all this excitement all over, but nobody knows what's going on and we're waiting. And they're like, wait, they overturned the results. Sure, yeah. they that's that's common, but not when it's first place. So we're yeah. like, okay. And now maximum security odds were 10 to one. You place a couple of dollars, you're going to win, but not that much because the odds aren't that much. In fact, I believe I saw something where it was like so many millions of dollars were placed on maximum security uh-huh. because people thought that he was going to win. That horse right. odds were 10 to 1. But when they overturned the decision, the other horse won and his odds were 65 to 1. So that meant whoever placed a bet on him was going to cash in. But here's the thing. Less they collected less than a million dollars in legal betting. I think it was like nine hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars was placed on that horse to win because clearly the odds were sixty-five to one. So getting right. to your question, Renee, what had happened was there was some bumping and grinding when they were coming around the last turn on the home stretch, and the way the rules are in horse racing is if a horse interferes with another horse's positioning, then that horse can be disqualified and moves in back of the horse that it interfered with. Right. It's a dumb rule when you think about it because this is not like a sprint or a 400 miles where the human can stay within the two lines on the track. A horse is a a beast. It's an animal. It's going to Do what it needs to do. It's racing. Right. If you look at the replay, the horse actually did kind of interfere with a couple of horses. And they upheld the rule. And it's history. And that's pretty much that. And I guess, should we get on to some NASCAR talk now? (laughs) Well, there you go. And there you have it. I mean, it was just kind of confusing because I was sitting at 
in the back of this bar watching it, as well as, you know, going back and forth between uh, some of the baseball games that they had on at the time. And we were all just sitting there confused. And Tam, I'm so glad that you were able to explain that because we literally had no clue what had happened. But there was an uproar, maybe not as big as an uproar as your uproar <laughs> at the at the track, but it was quite um, uh, something going on, you could tell. And we just never, none of us could really fully understand what had happened. And of course, we, we, we took to social media and Twitter and try to figure it out. But I certainly do appreciate you kind of breaking that down. I didn't realize that there were rules like that in in horse racing, but but now now that I know, uh, I'll be careful next time I place a bet on a horse. <laughs> well, nobody realized that there was rules like that because it's not a rule that's upheld very often, especially when you're talking about overturning the first place winner. Like where they do that at? <laughs> yeah, imagine the uproar at? in Vegas. I think, see, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't write any of these numbers down. I did read a lot about it, but I think Vegas recovered because millions on top of millions of dollars were placed on maximum security. But when right. Country Horse actually took over, the odds for that horse to win were something pretty ridiculous. So it yeah. worked out because it was only less than a million dollars collectively placed on that horse so who knows speaking of odds and because we've been talking 10 minutes and we've yet to talk about nascar i guess it's time for us to talk about some nascar yep let's do it one person i didn't bet on was martin truex jr that's for sure (laughs) none of us picked martin truex jr to win at dover they're now calling him monday martin because (laughs) This is the second time that Martin Truex Jr. has actually won a race after a rain delay. Is it a coincidence? It happened twice. I guess when it happens more than twice, then it's a pattern. I don't know how the old saying goes. Well, if we ever get postponed again, uh, I'll make sure that I try to uh, remember that. Look, (laughs) okay, so top 10 from Dover. Because hopefully you guys will listen to this podcast on Tuesday and yeah, it'll hopefully we'll get it posted really quickly. Top 10 from Dover. Martin Truex Jr. was your winner. Alex Bowman. We're going to talk about the Bowman yep. in a bit. I don't know. Can we call him the Bowman? Is that a we good can nickname? Call him the Bowman. Okay. Alex Bowman second. Kyle Larson third. Kevin Harvick fourth. Chase Elliott, who was on the pole, came in fifth. Chase was on the pole, right? Yeah, I believe so. He was. Okay. Eric Jones, sixth. Joey Logano, who led a couple of laps, came in seventh. William Byron, nice little top 10 for the young guy. He came in eighth. Clint Boyer quietly came in ninth. And I say quietly because I don't remember hearing his name at all during the entire race. Yeah. Daniel Suarez came in 11th. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I I said I was giving you guys the top 10. But skip the tenth place winner and jump to number eleven. How can I not say Kyle Bush, who actually thought he was out the race and managed to come back and finish in tenth place? So those are your top ten. Maybe I just felt like saying Daniel Suarez's name because it wasn't a top ten, but he was almost there. So yeah. And Jimmy Johnson. Still a good place for him though. Jimmy Johnson, who's owned Dover. He still couldn't get right. He came in 14th place. Yeah. 
So nothing really crazy to report. Everything kind of fell in order. Aside from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. coming in 33rd, most of the familiars came in top 20 or so. Well, Denny Hamlin came in 21st. That was pretty much it with the race. I do want to give a shout out and a congratulations to Alex Bowman because last week he did well. And this week I was like, oh my God, if Alex Bowman wins, I'm going to be so happy. He didn't win, but I was still happy for him. Hopefully this week and last week is the turnaround that his team needs to finally put him in victory lane. Yeah. And Kyle Larson, it's been rough for Kyle Larson. Rough is an understatement, but he finally was able to put something together and come into the top five. Yeah. Shouts You're to right those about that. two. I mean, it hasn't been Jimmy Johnson rough, but it's been rough enough. It is kind of somewhat been Jimmy Johnson rough, depending <laughs> on how you define rough. I don't know if there's more than one definition for rough, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will say this though, Tam, and I don't know if you feel this way about Alex Bowman as much as I do, but uh, I'm I'm sure you probably do. But ever since we interviewed that kid, I just took a really liking to him. I loved the interview that we did with him. He was just a really well-mannered young man. And and, um, and I remember leaving that interview uh, that we did with him a couple of years ago. And I remember leaving that interview thinking, man, this kid is talented and he's so young and He's a good driver, and I, I, I wish him the best, and I, I hope he gets a car. And Oh, man, now, little did I know that it was going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car, but coming in second and then having a good week last week, you're right, Tim. I really, really honestly hope that this is something that propels this team to get better and better and better, and hopefully, eventually, he takes the victory lane sometime soon because I would love to see Alex Bowman in victory lane sooner than later. I concur with that. I think it's been a slow burn for the Hendrick crew. And when I say slow burn, I mean, as in they're kind of coming around. I'm just not quite sure what is going on with Jimmy. But Alex Bowman, two weeks in a row, top five. William Byron, he's qualified well. He's starting to come in the top 10. I think it's just a matter of time before we see Bowman or Byron in victory lane. I don't even want to speculate with, I don't want to say anything about Jimmy because I'm afraid. I'm, I'm like, am I jinxing him personally? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully Jimmy will get it back, whatever it is he lost, because he clearly lost something because I don't know what's going on. Well, moving on from that. Exactly. A good question would be, who's going to win a race first? William Byron, uh, uh, Alex Bowman, or Jimmy Johnson? That'd be a nice question. I know. And it's actually just such an unfair question because it's almost disrespectful to say Jimmy's name in the same breath as Bowman and Byron in regards to who's going to win a race first. Like, how dare we? I know. On that note, speaking of winning a race first, or winning their first race for that matter, Bubba Wallace' name came up again, and this time a little bit different. Last week, we talked about Bubba because people thought he was a little bit aggressive. This week, we're talking about him because Jason Whitlock on Fox Sports 1, Speak for Yourself with Marcellus Wiley, right? he actually did one of his Whitlock logs where he talked about Bubba Wallace not having sponsorship 
in the age of diversity amongst corporations. Everybody's pushing a diversity agenda, but yet Bubba doesn't seem to benefit from that. And it was an interesting take. And most people, let me just say this, most people hate Jason Whitlock. I personally don't dislike him. I actually, I won't say I like him. I just don't dislike him. I think sometimes some of the things that he says are well thought out and very intelligent. Unfortunately, because people don't seem to like Jason Whitlock from his days at ESPN, they can't get past that. But I personally think that Jason, along with Marcellus Wiley, they have a good, great show going on and it's a great balance. And I will honestly say 85% of the things that Jason says, I do agree with him. If you guys are wondering, well, why don't I like him? It's not that I don't like him. I'm just neutral with him. And I'm not quite sure why. Because like, I love Shannon Sharp. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Kind of like how I feel about Tony Stewart, that Shannon Sharp is my boy. Like I weathered the storm with Shannon when people used to say, oh, they hated Shannon. He sounded like a marble mouth. I was like, dude, Shannon is funny as hell. (laughs) Now people are coming around to me. I didn't like, which now this is actually interesting. I didn't dislike him either. I didn't like or dislike him, but Colin Coward was somebody who I didn't really pay much attention to. And my good friend who actually has a radio show on Fox, he was like, you know, you should, I think you would vibe and, and like Colin Coward. And once I started listening to him, I was like, wait, why was I never listening to Colin? Because Colin is smart. He has great take. Yeah. With that being said, Jason had a lot to say about Bubba. It was like maybe about a two and a half minute segment. There was no rebuttal. Nobody chimed in. He pretty much just stated the facts, which is we need to be finding out and asking them why doesn't Bubba have sponsorship? He's the only African-American driver. We're living in a time where corporations, whether it's what they really want to get behind or if it's just a show and a front, but people are pushing this diversity thing. Yeah. But yeah, yet I, Bubba's I, not benefiting from it. And then he's in the number 43, one of the most famed cars in NASCAR. NASCAR felling Bubba or like, what is it? And we talked about Bubba's attitude, but for a, a corporation that doesn't know much about NASCAR, I don't think they would know some of the stuff that NASCAR folks are privy to. Not that they wouldn't do their homework, but it's just baffling. I don't know, Renee, if you want to chime in and We didn't talk about this, but before Renee chimes in, Kenny, if you guys know this, is absent, but he's going to join us a little bit later in the show and share his thoughts on Bubba Wallace, as well as qualifying, because now you guys know we went back to single file qualifying, which is crazy. After all that, we're right back where we started from, and then hopefully he can chime in and give his predictions. So, Renee, what say you about Bubba Wallace and the lack of corporate sponsors? I will say this. I I, I also listened to uh, his take on it. I thought it was a really good take. I think he hit it right on the head, to be honest with you. Uh, it seemed like uh, he was just trying to figure out what can NASCAR do? What can Bubba Wallace do? What could Richard Petty do to get more sponsorship? Because I think he's right when he said, this is absurd that you're going to tell me the king of NASCAR, Richard Petty, and Bubba Wallace, the only African-American uh, that is racing today in, on that level, can't seem to get enough sponsorship. 
to help keep this car not only on the track, but to give it a good product? And why isn't it a better product? I think he's right. It is baffling. And I don't know what the answer is. And uh, it seems like there's something there that is missing. And I don't know what it is. Um, I, I Obviously, we don't know what it is. I definitely think that something needs to change where this should not be happening, at least to this particular team or any team for that matter. But especially when you have a team like Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty, this is uncalled for. Yeah, sponsorship is becoming, I won't say scarce because clearly there's still people sponsoring NASCAR, but it's not as abundant as it used to be back in NASCAR glory days. But you're telling me that we can't get one primary sponsor for Bubba? Like Alloy Bank just came in, or Ally, I always say Alloy. Ally Bank just came into the sport and they signed, what, a two-year deal? Or is it a one-year deal, or two-year deal with Jimmy Johnson? Yeah. So Jimmy is good. He doesn't have to worry about anybody for the whole year, whereas obviously smaller teams have to worry. But you got other smaller teams, people who don't even have drivers that have a personality or have such a large following as Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports, and they even have sponsorship. It's pretty interesting. But on that note, we'll let Kenny, Kenny, please chime in and let us know what you think about this. And of course, we got to get your thoughts on qualifying as well as prediction. What is going on? All turns, no breaks, family. It's your boy Kenny, aka Front Row Kenny. If you're not following me on Twitter, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and hit that follow button. Always talking NASCAR all the time. So if you're wondering why my voice may sound a little bit different, I'm using a different mic for one in the studio. And on top of that, I went to a concert last night to go see St. Louis rapper named Smino and a group from Dreamville, J. Cole's label, Earth Gang which is my second time seeing them in person. And they've got much, much better, but fun concert, had a great time. And now I'm ready to talk some NASCAR. So we raced on Monday at Dover. And following the Dover race, Jason Whitlock had quite a few things to say about Bubba Wallace. And I was pretty intrigued by this because typically I'm not really a big fan of Whitlock like (laughs) a good amount of people. I see him as a pundit who really just runs his mouth just for the hell of it sometimes. So This time, adult Kenny decided to give him more of a chance and listen to what he had to say. So he talked about Bubba Wallace should be at a higher level in this sport, given the time we're in and where NASCAR is at right now. His popularity should be a boom. That should be the reason why more people are back to watch NASCAR is what Jason Whitlock was alluding to, of course, which I can understand, given that we haven't had a full-time black driver since Wendell Scott. So That's also an intriguing thing. And this is not to discredit any others that we've had in the past, obviously, but none of them have really donned a full-time cup ride. Yes, we know Bill Lester made his attempt, but Bubba was the most recent to become a full-time driver, which was a huge accomplishment on its own. So with that being said, I listened to everything he said, and there were some things I agreed upon, and there were some things where I disagreed at. So first off, I understand his concern and wondering how in the world can Richard Petty not bring in the sponsorship, given he's one of the biggest names in motorsports, without a doubt, across the board, whether you're just talking in the United States or across the globe. You know that Petty Blue, you know that 43. It's an iconic color and it's an iconic number on that race car. It's been raced for ages. And so with that, 
the only point I have to get to him is is just that we are looking at a team that has been on the decline since the late 80s or right before he retired. So in 83, that was his last, Richard Petty's last season where he won multiple wins or got multiple wins in a season. Then we're looking at, from then on, from 1992, when it was Richard Petty Enterprises, it was only three wins given its history from 92 all the way up to 2008 when they switched over to what is now Richard Petty Motorsports, where they've only had five wins in the last 11 years. So there's that. The performance isn't necessarily there. There's a reason why Smithfield, I think, in my opinion, decided to finally back out and notice they followed Almirola to Stuart Haas. They understand how competitive those cars are over there, and that's what they did. So they intended to go somewhere where they know they can be seen more often than anything. Yeah, we know that iconic blue and that iconic 43 car, but the problem was the performance wasn't there, and the performance hasn't been there for a long, long time. So it just seems like the luster of the king in terms of what brings the money home has kind of dwindled, and that kind of also has been harmed by the fact that we have such a a weird decline currently, and we're kind of in a a spot where we're trying to go up and have small little uptakes where we bring back the sport to a high level. I'm not saying it's going to reach its heyday, obviously, but there's I think there's a time where it will come back to its how do I say this? An elite status, quote unquote, among sports in the USA. So with that, I think that they have that down to a T. Smithfield understood that they could go over to a team and be seen way more and have a chance of having that car in victory lane like it has been already versus RPM where that kind of has really died down. It's been a while. I know they got a few wins while it was RPM, but it has been a while since they've actually got a win. So. I think that's just one of the bigger issues. And then on top of that, was just so expensive to jump into the sport as it is. We have a problem with sponsorship. Sponsorship is incredibly expensive. It's not easy just to throw money on a car that's not competitive. And if you don't have enough money, you aren't going fast. You need money to go fast, point blank, period. That's just the nature of the sport. It has always been that way, never has changed, and probably won't ever change. So that's where that issue comes. When you have a car that's coming in in the mid pack like in the tw- the bottom half of the 20s they're not going to really see that car on TV too much besides in practice and qualifying so that kind of becomes that issue now am I going to deny his point on that some of corporate america isn't paying attention necessarily yeah i think there's people who do pay attention but i think there's also the parameters that you have to think of is that how often am i going to get my car seen i know he alluded to the fact that there's a retired quarterback that's still getting dollars from nike But the thing is, his name is notable enough where it can still continue to carry. That is the biggest difference in all of that. So it kind of sucks, and I hate that it has to be that way. I don't know what it is for him, but I really do feel that it's going to take him to be in a competitive ride for someone to notice because we're going to pay attention to the winners. We're not going to pay attention to the guy who finishes the 25th place. Not saying they don't have fans or anything like that, but we're looking at those top runners every single weekend. We're looking at Chase Elliott. We're looking at Alex Bowman. We're looking at Kyle Larson. We're looking at Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, just to name a few. That's what everyone is really striving and looking for at the time. And that's what you want, because guess what? You're going to have more time on TV as you have your car in victory lane or you having your car finish in the top 10 or top five or however you may. That's where it kind of boils down to. And I wish RPM was more more competitive, but 
it's just been like a very slippery slope. And some people are even go on the limb and say they're surprised that they're still around, which I can kind of see why. But it's just the success isn't there for that team. And I think he can drive, no doubt. And it and it doesn't have to even go to the second place finish at Daytona. Daytona, unfortunately, is kind of a crapshoot. So I got to disagree with Whitlock on that for somebody who says they've, you know, paid mind to auto racing quite a bit. I think that line was a little fluffed in my opinion, but that's just me. I think it'll take that competitive ride to make a difference and for people to actually give a chance to notice. So that's kind of my thoughts on that whole piece. I know that was a little long, but I'll briefly go over what I thought about qualifying this weekend. I thought it was absolutely perfect. It was just about everything you could have asked for. It only lasted maybe 45 minutes per cup, and that's how it should be. I don't think we need to necessarily have group qualifying every single place and let alone have multiple rounds. I think that is where things kind of got screwed up for the last couple years or so is with having the group qualifying. Like look at Chase Elliott and look at Ryan Blaney, right? At Bristol. Ryan Blaney was the one who managed to hit the lap to track record, but Chase Elliott sat on the pole. It sounds really ass back. The thing about that is where you have multiple rounds, things are bound to happen. I think that's happened a few times. So Ryan Blaney, technically speaking, for is a track record holder at Bristol, but he didn't win the poll that day. Now with this, that totally eliminates that entire debunkle and everything with that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I just think key qualifying is simple. It went on quick. It did what it's supposed to do. It doesn't have to be a show. You set the field. You go home. See you on Sunday. See you on Saturday. See you on Friday. Simple as that. Good move on NASCAR to make that change and just let that be because I don't think we need it to continue on and on to have that type of thing. So with that being said, I'll just give my quick thoughts on Dover as well. I thought Dover was a solid race for Dover. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the track myself. It's a long race. I think that race actually could probably be 300 miles if I'm not being totally unhonest. I think you can keep that at 300 miles. And it would be a solid race, real solid race. I mean, it's perfect. I feel like the truck series and Xfinity series have the perfect length. doesn't take as long, but you get a better show because you don't have as much time to get your stuff together. So it was a solid day. Alex Bowman, you know, showed some pace. He looked like he was in tune to win the race at a point. Same with Chase Elliott. But it's cool that Alex Bowman's got a second consecutive second place finish. So that's pretty cool. And that's a good thing to see for Hendrick. But Having Martin Truex take home the victory, he ran off in clean air. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of racing itself. And clearly, clean air is still king. And that's nothing old. It's nothing new. And it's no surprise at all. So he got that win. And that was that. And then Kyle Busch's comments. And he was pretty, pretty vocal about how he felt on the package. Not too happy about it. And again, I'll say this quickly as I can. With this new package, a lot of fans have been completely anti-current package, which I understand to a degree. I personally know that cars are already hard to drive because it's a cup car, but I want them to literally be very, very hard to drive, as in take downforce off the car, get the big wings off the car, and just let them run. So I don't think it's unfair to, you know, criticize him and say, oh, well, he's just mad because he didn't win. I don't even think it comes down to that. He's one of the most dominant drivers at the track. If you go back and look at his stats, besides Jimmy Johnson, he's probably the next guy that is just that good at Dover. So, of course, he's going to feel feel type of way about it. I know he didn't win, but still, 
He's the one driving the car. I think I would take his opinion pretty heavily versus just someone who doesn't drive the car. But then again, fans have been the ones saying the same exact thing that Kyle Busch said. So got to take note and got to kind of pay attention to what folks are saying a little bit. Maybe people will notice now that if the drivers are saying it, they'll pay more mind to what it is. It's just a thing. I thought Dover was overall a good race for Dover. They did everything they could, had a few lead changes. Everything kind of got mixed up. Lap traffic was good. And so that was a fun one. I will say that. Last but not least, of course, we got to do predictions. So we are headed to Kansas this weekend. We've only got two races. We've got the truck race and we've got the cup race on Saturday night. So that'll be a fun, fun time at Kansas. I don't have my past winners in front of me like Tam usually does and gives the history lesson. But (laughs) I think for Kansas, I'm actually going to go with Chase Elliott again this week. I think Chase does really well at Kansas. As a matter of fact, he won there in the fall of last year. And that secured his third and final win of 2018, which was pretty cool to see him win multiple races. And I think he can win multiple races this season as well. So be on the lookout for Chase on Saturday night. I think he is one that will take home the checker flag. Now, as for an alternative pick, I'll have to go with somebody a little different, maybe. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick one more week. Again, he's won at Kansas a couple times. I think he can do it again. I think that's a place where he can win, obviously. And he's had some struggles. And the thing is, he's fourth in points, but on paper, you're used, you're used to seeing this guy win a race by now. We're 11 races in and he hasn't won anything yet, which is unusual for a guy like that, a past champion as well. So those are my picks. I don't know about y'all. I am Front Row Kenny. Glad to join the podcast and I'm out. Okay, Kenny, thank you for chiming in and sharing your thoughts on all of that. You know what, Tim, real quick, I want to say this about Kenny because it it makes me laugh. I love the way that Kenny chimes in because he's so damn knowledgeable about everything. And sometimes, sometimes I hate it because he makes me feel stupid. I'm like, oh my God. No, you're not stupid. We just have a different take. Here's the thing. Kenny eats, sleep, breathes, NASCAR, motorsports, (laughs) IMSA. Everything. I mean, let's not forget, Kenny works for the Motor Racing Network, and that's what he does. But for us, we rage on the weekends, we party, and not that we're not as attentive, but we're not living NASCAR 24-7. At one point last year, year before, I was living NASCAR probably about 15 hours a day. I've scaled back a lot. So it's not my end all to the be all. I just love NASCAR. I'm not more knowledgeable than most people. Yeah. But I'm not eating, breathing, and as they would right. say, you know what, in NASCAR. <laughs> like that. I guess that's why sometimes but but it's always wonderful to hear Kenny speak about uh, certain topics that we have. But just like I said, it's just it just it almost makes me feel like sometimes like when you go do karaoke and you're just going up there for fun and then somebody actually literally goes up there and sings a song and they can really, really sing and you're going, Why is this person here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well I don't do karaoke and I definitely don't sing in the shower. I'm not even a person who sings in a car. Like I may bounce my head and I like to dance, but I'm not really, I've never been a singer. I guess I've always known that I'm tone deaf because they say people who can't sing are tone deaf. So I guess I'm just beyond severely tone deaf because I, I can't. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Before we jump into some predictions, I want to remind you guys, we appreciate each and every one of you guys, but we can't do this 
without you. And how you can help us is simple. All you have to do is take 30 seconds and hit subscribe and leave us a comment if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts, you can still leave us a comment and make sure to download us. On that note, let's jump into some predictions. We are at Kansas next week. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Renee, who you got? I would love to pick Alex Bowman right now just because I'm so excited and and, uh, high on him right now because he came in second. But I think I'm going to go with Chase Elliott winning this coming week. I I don't know why I'm picking Chase Elliott, but he just seems to be driving really well lately. And you know me, Tam. I like to go on vibes as well myself. I can kind of see just something going different this weekend in in a sense of going with, you know, maybe like a Kyle Busch or or even like Denny Hamlin, like I've been picking. But I'm going to stick with nine. I'm going to stick with Chase Elliott. And as my alternative pick, I think I'm going to go with Kurt Busch. I don't know why I'm feeling Kurt Busch as well, but I'm going to go with Kurt Busch as my alternative pick, and I'm going with Chase Elliott as my winner. Those are my picks. I'm sticking with them, Tam. Well, that's an interesting pick, Kurt Busch, because Kurt Busch has never won at Kansas. Maybe he can Maybe so. cross something off his bucket list. Who knows? You never know. That's why we do predictions. <laughs> right? Okay, so past 10 winners at... Kansas. And this is a quick history lesson. And this is the past 10 winners for the first race of the year because we've been racing twice a year at Kansas. 2009, Ladies Love Tony Stewart, as in Ladies Love Smoke. He was your winner at Kansas. Greg Biffle won in 2010. And oh, Greg Biffle was on. Greg Biffle. No, he's. I, Wait, no, was he on or is he going to be on Dell Jr.'s download? I saw something. I can't remember. But I think he said that he wanted to get Greg Biffle on or Greg Biffle is going to be on. Either way, it's going to happen if it hasn't already. So make sure you guys check that out because that should be an interesting conversation. So Greg Biffle was your winner in 2010 at Kansas. In 2011, for the first race of the year, Brad Keselowski was your winner. 2012, Denny Hamlin, 2013, Matt Kenseth, 2014, Jeff Gordon, 2015, Jimmy Johnson, 2016, Kyle Busch, 2017, Martin Truex Jr., and 2018 was Kevin Harvick. Ironic, you mentioned Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott won the October race in 2018 at Kansas. And Harvick is actually a three-time winner. And this is a notable. Kevin Harvick has won three times at Kansas Speedway in the Cup Series. And Martin Truex Jr. won back-to-back in 2017. He won the May race as well as the October race. So that could be interesting. And what other notables? I think that's pretty much it. I know, I believe, let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much it that stands out at me at first glance. So on that note, I'm I'm actually feeling like Martin Truex Jr. is in the groove. I don't think he'll ever yeah. be in the groove the way he was that one year where he just, well, year before last, when he just kind of was winning everything. But I do want to stick with him as my alternative. I 
really truly believe I'm always going with Kyle Bush. I'm going to let up on that this week. Instead, I am going to go with Joy Logano because I feel like Joy is always in the mix and he's mixing it up. And I think he has a great opportunity to do something at Kansas. And he's actually won a couple of races in Kansas. He's won two cup races in 2014 and 2015. So it's been a while since he's won at Kansas. And Joy Logano also won two. Xfinity races in 2009 as well as 2010. Clearly, you guys already know Kyle Busch has won several races in the Xfinity series at Kansas, and he's also a winner in the Cup series. But like I said, I'm going to stay away from Kyle Busch this weekend. So I'm going with Joey Logano as my pick to win and Martin Truex Jr. as my alternative. Aha. There you go. Those are Tam's picks. Those are my picks. And just like my partner Tam says, and uh, just like she always says every week, we appreciate you listening to us and thank you for subscribing to us and to our podcast and make sure that you please, please do that. Leave us a comment because that really helps us out a lot. And we really do appreciate all of our listeners and even our newer listeners that are coming in and listening to our podcast here on All Turns No Breaks. Ladies and gentlemen, for Tam, myself, and for Front Row Kenny and his lovely insights, We appreciate you listening to us each and every week here on All Turns No Breaks. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 